Chapters twenty four through twenty seven of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty four. Now I felt lonely still oftener, for I missed father's confidence and tenderness and Kate's friendship, and to this unhappiness more was soon added. Father and I were on our block one day walking toward home when a boy in uniform coming toward us walked into me with so much force that I stumbled backward a few steps and for a minute could not catch my breath. Father looked at me and began to scold as usual now. How often have I told you to keep to the right? There is no room for dreamers here. It had seemed to me that the boy struck against me intentionally, but I was not sure. The next day it happened again, and now my peace was gone. The boy lived in the same building, and as often as I met him, he hurt me. He never passed me without shoving his elbow into my side or giving my braid a tug, so that it felt as if the skin on my forehead would burst. He was as tall as I was, and as my hair reached below my waist, he could do this by a slight movement of the hand while his arm hung innocently at his side. He always did it so quickly that I could never catch him at it, and I don't believe anyone else ever saw him do it but his favorite way of hurting was to assume an absent-minded expression when he saw me coming look about and walk into me striking my chest with his elbow this lasted for weeks and my life became a nightmare to me i began to be afraid to be out on the street i never left the building without looking up and down the block first now that father treated me so harshly i did not like to talk to him about it thinking that he would lay the blame on me and as for striking the boy it did not even occur to me to do so he was a messenger boy, but I did not know it. And even if I had, it would not have made any difference. For I, as my grandfather, looked upon uniforms with fear and respect. And besides, too, he was a Gentile, and this country was his. One Saturday morning I rose earlier than usual. I felt happier than I had been for a long time. I had won my father's favor the day before by doing a particularly hard piece of work. He was so pleased that he showed it to the boss and smiled at me in the old way. At noon, when I left to go and do the work at home, he came out with me, took me to a shoe store, and bought me shoes. And so, this morning early, as soon as father went to synagogue, I too rose and tidied the room. Then I combed out my hair carefully and let it loose. I put on my brown, clean calico and my new shoes. These were my first American shoes, and though they were much too large, and my feet looked rather clumsy in them, father believed that clothes for children should be large enough to grow in, still they were new, and the buttons and patent leather tips shone, and so I was pleased. As soon as I was quite ready, I went out to stand on the stoop. I scarcely ever went walking now, as I was in constant fear of meeting the messenger boy. I had not been on the stoop long when I saw him coming from the Clinton Street side, my heart began to beat so that it pained and all my happiness was gone in a moment but immediately i comforted myself with the thought that i was on the far end of the stoop and that he could not possibly hurt me when i stood there because the stoop was so wide and he would have to walk up the end he reached first i pressed close to the iron railing at my end and watched him coming he walked with a swagger this morning when he came nearer i saw a new cap in place of the old one in which i had always seen him the little brass button on each side of the peak sparkled as he moved his head. Suddenly he saw me. Immediately he slackened his pace, assumed his absent-minded expression, and began looking about. My heart beat more violently. What should I do? Run upstairs? I felt sure he would find a way to hurt me. But I always hated to run away. 
i stood still almost holding my breath as he came nearer and nearer as he walked along slowly he kept looking dreamily across the street and passed beyond our even end of the stoop a step or two then as if he suddenly realized it he stopped looked about and came back and now he must pass close to me the next moment i felt my toes crushed under his heel i caught hold of the iron railing and closed my eyes for a moment then i looked down at my new shoes one tip was broken and my toes inside felt moist i looked at the boy for he had stopped right opposite me he was so sure of me and stood gazing far away and whistling softly all at once a feeling of hatred came into my heart my temples began to throb and now i did not see his uniform nor did i remember as i often told myself that this country of america was his with one step i reached him snatched off his cap and ran and threw it into the gutter and began to stamp on it i broke the brim i crushed the little brass buttons under my heels i stamped it into the dirt and in a moment it did not look like a cap but i was not yet satisfied a few feet away i saw a little puddle of water i kicked the cap into it and began stamping on it all over again at last my strength began to give out and i became aware that a number of people had gathered and that the boy stood among them gaping at me i stopped stamping tossed back my hair which had fallen all about my face and passed close to him i thought if he touches me i'll strike him down but he did not the people who stood about were staring at me and talking when i came upstairs and looked at myself in the glass i thought they must have been saying the fury or the wild thing my hair was all tangled and seemed to stand up my face was dripping wet and covered with pink and white blotches and my eyes looked wild i locked the door and sat all morning laughing and crying hysterically and listening for a policeman's heavy footsteps in the hall i felt sure that a policeman would come and drag me to prison but when the day passed and nothing happened i became bolder and in the evening when i knew the boy would be coming out of the building i went out on the street i was curious now as to what would happen next the boy came out saw me and passed me quickly and at a good distance away i laughed quietly to myself and began to walk toward montgomery street where i saw the light of a street lamp shining on a tree chapter twenty five one evening in the fall father came home with two brightly colored frameless pictures and nailed one on the door leading into the felsberg's rooms and the other on the door leading into the little old woman's he explained to me that the pictures were of the two men nominated for the presidential office the prospective presidents in these pictures were herdsmen each one dressed in fine black clothes and a high silk hat stood in the midst of a herd of cattle in one picture the herdsman was short stout and clean-shaven the cattle were round and sleek and the pasture green and abundant in the other it was just the reverse the herdsman was tall thin and bearded the cattle had fallen in sides and the ground was brown and bare i looked at the pictures and took them literally and seriously one meant four years of plenty the other four years of famine but after a while noticing that no one else seemed at all worried over it i merely wondered what happens on election day soon after this i saw the gentile boys on our block begin to store away into a cellar all the barrels boxes broken couches torn mattresses and every stick of wood they could lay hands on i understood that the preparations were for election night and i looked on silently with pleasant excitement at last election day came 
in the shop the men were discussing the candidates and there was a cheerful holiday atmosphere i bet you a pint of beer harrison will be elected i bet you two pints it will be cleveland in the afternoon i heard the men say they would go home early when i was leaving father too said he would be home before dark after supper i climbed out on mrs feldberg's fire escape and looked down between the bars into the street i saw the jewish men hurrying home from work and noticed that very few of the jewish children were out the gentile boys were busy dragging forth the barrels and couches and mattresses and piling them up in a heap in front of the four big tenements inhabited chiefly by jews when it grew dark they lit the heaps of rubbish and in a moment there was a great blaze the sparks flew the fire crackled and the reflections of the flames danced merrily on the small red brick houses opposite where the gentiles lived from the windows of these houses groups of people were leaning out talking and laughing merrily mrs felsberg also stuck her head out of the window for a moment looked down at the flame and said earnestly thank god there is no wind and if it comes i hope it will blow the other way i was beginning to feel uneasy and wished that father had come home before dark as he said he would scarcely any one passed through the block now i noticed with fear that not a jew was to be seen on the street after a little while i saw someone coming from the montgomery street side though i expected father to come through clinton street it occurred to me that perhaps he had decided this way was safer and i strained my eyes and watched when the person came nearer i saw that it was the son of the little old woman he walked slowly hesitatingly and kept to the wall the men and the boys around the fire seemed to pay no attention to his coming but as soon as he was in front of the fire they suddenly attacked him there was a short tussle and soon i saw him rushed into the hall i was beside myself with fear now why doesn't father come why did i leave him i could not help blaming myself again mrs felsberg came over and looked out of the window and asked isn't your father here yet raoul no i shook my head i could not answer her i pressed my forehead to the iron bars and looked over to clinton street every time the fire was poked the whole block was lit up and i could see all the way over to the corner i thought i saw a figure lurking away over in the shadow could that be father i thought perhaps it is some other jewish man oh god will he ever come at last i saw him turn from clinton into cherry street the blaze flared suddenly and i recognized his tan suit and hat i jumped up leaned over the fire escape and watched him coming nearer and nearer keeping in the middle of the sidewalk the boys and men stood about the fire laughing talking pushing each other one was playing on a harmonica and a few were waltzing at last i saw father almost opposite the blaze my heart stood still and my eyes felt stretched so far apart that it seemed as though i could never close them again will they let him pass oh that is too good to be true and indeed it was the next moment i saw a black mass of bodies hurl itself at him father i screamed down my voice struck terror into my own heart the next moment i was rushing blindly through mrs felberg's rooms lit only by the blaze from the outside knocking myself against table and chairs at last i was out in the hall and went falling and tumbling downstairs on the first floor i met him coming up pale and hatless we stopped and looked at each other i was beside myself with joy to see him alive but i heard myself say father your hat 
and he smiled and said pantingly that is nothing i needed a new one chapter twenty six i had seen from the first that jews were treated roughly on cherry street i had seen the men and boys that stood about the saloons at every corner make ugly grimaces at the passing jews and throw after them stones and shoes pulled out of the ash-cans i had often seen these loafers as we called them attack a jewish peddler dump his pushcart of apples into the gutter fill their pockets and walk away laughing and eating i had run for the apples in the gutter rolling in every direction and helped to pick them up i myself had often walked two blocks out of my way to reach home through montgomery street instead of going through clinton street where there were three saloons and yet as soon as i was safe in the house i scarcely gave the matter a second thought perhaps it was because to see a jew maltreated was nothing new for me here where there were so many new and strange things for me to see and understand this was the one familiar thing i had grown used to seeing strange jews mistreated whenever they happened to come to our village in russia but after election night i felt differently i was haunted by the picture of the little old woman's son struggling with the young irish americans near the bonfire and of my father coming up the stairs pale and hatless i was never easy in my mind now except when i was with father i always sat up at night until he came home and if he happened to be a few minutes late i was beside myself with fear i pictured him murdered and burned alive i listened to every tale about cherry and water streets i heard that a policeman had been found in the dark hallway with his head stuck into a barrel smothered to death and for a time i could think about nothing else one friday afternoon soon after election i finished my washing and cleaning early and i went out into the street i was returning about five o'clock through clinton street when i saw a jewish peddler with a pushcart standing on the corner of monroe street and looking about helplessly i saw him watching me as i came up when i was near he asked are you jewish i nodded my head and stopped i saw that his pushcart held fish mixed with chunks of ice you can do me a favor he said in a pleading tone you see this handful of fish this is all my profit if i could get over to that group of jewish houses on cherry street he pointed to our tenements i could still sell it though it is late but i dare not pass those loafers hanging round the saloons but what can i do i asked you can do much he said with a smile they have great respect for a lady in america but i began that is all right he said with a wave of the hand you look like a lady and if you will just walk beside me while i am passing the loafers they won't touch me i remembered now often having seen jewish men escorted past dangerous places and the women would as often be irish i stepped into the gutter and for greater safety laid my hand on the pushcart and walked along beside him when we were passing the saloon the loafers made grimaces and shouted after him but did not touch him we stopped at our group of houses he thanked me and at once became businesslike he shook up the ice in the pushcart and then placing his hand at one corner of his mouth american fashion and looking up at the windows he shouted lustily hurry hurry women fresh pike here fresh pike for the sabbath i found that father was already at home as i came into the room i saw him sitting at the table before the little mirror resting against the wall clipping his beard i was so surprised and shocked to see him actually do this thing that i could neither speak nor move for some minutes and i knew that he too felt embarrassed 
after the first glance i kept my eyes steadily on the floor in front of me and began to talk to him quietly but with great earnestness you had been so pious at home father i said more pious than any one else in our whole neighbourhood and now you are cutting your beard grandmother would never have believed it how she would weep the snipping of the scissors still went on but i knew by the sound that now he was only making a pretence at cutting at last he laid it down and said in a tone that was bitter yet quiet they do not like jews on cherry street and one with a long beard has to take his life into his own hands but father i said looking at him now must we live on cherry street yes we must he said turning to me quickly and speaking in a more passionate tone they want the jews to come and settle here and because it is so hard to live here they have lowered the rents i save here at least two dollars a month you don't understand for mother's journey we need not only tickets and money for other expenses but we also need money for at least second-hand furniture this is not like home there the house was our own and for the lot and garden we paid one dollar a year there too we were among friends and relatives while here if we haven't rent for one month we are thrown out on the street do you understand i said i understood chapter twenty seven father began to strain all his energy to save the money to send for mother and the children in the shop one morning i realized that he had been leaving out of his breakfast the tiny glass of brandy for two cents and was eating just the roll so i too made my sacrifice when as usual he gave me the apple and the roll i took the roll but refused the apple and he did not urge me when a cold grey day at the end of november found him in his light tan suit quite worn and me in my thin calico frock now washed out to a tan colour we went to a second-hand clothing store on division street and he bought me a fuzzy brown coat reaching a little below my waist for fifty cents and for himself a thin threadbare overcoat and now we were ready for the winter about the same time that the bitter cold came father told me one night that he had found work for me in a shop where he knew the presser i lay awake long that night i was eager to begin life on my own responsibility but was also afraid we rose earlier than usual that morning for father had to take me to the shop and not be over late for his own work i wrapped my thimble and scissors with a piece of bread for breakfast in a bit of newspaper carefully stuck two needles into the lapel of my coat and we started the shop was on pelham street a shop district one block long and just wide enough for two ordinary sized wagons to pass each other we stopped at a door where i noticed at once a brown shining porcelain knob and a half rubbed off number seven father looked at his watch and at me don't look so frightened he said you need not go in until seven perhaps if you start in at this hour he will think you have been in the habit of beginning at seven and will not expect you to come in earlier remember be independent at seven o'clock rise and go home no matter whether the others go or stay he began to tell me something else but broke off suddenly said good-bye over his shoulder and went away quickly i watched him until he turned into monroe street now only i felt frightened and waiting made me nervous so i tried the knob the door yielded heavily and closed slowly i was half-way up when it closed entirely leaving me in darkness i groped my way to the top of the stairs and hearing a clattering noise of machines i felt about found a door and pushed it open and went in a tall dark beardless man stood folding coats at a table i went over and asked him for the name i don't remember what it was 
Yes, he said crossly. What do you want? I said, I am the new feller hand. He looked at me from head to foot. My face felt so burning hot that I could scarcely see. It is more likely, he said, that you can pull bastings and fell sieve lining. Then turning from me, he shouted over the noise of the machine. Presser, is this the girl? The presser put down the iron and looked at me. I suppose so, he said. I only know the father. The cross man looked at me again and said, Let's see what you can do. He kicked a chair from which the back had been broken off to the finisher's table, threw a coat upon it, and said, raising the corner of his mouth, Make room for the new feller hand. One girl tittered. Two men glanced at me over their shoulders and pushed their chairs apart a little. By this time I scarcely knew what I was about. I laid my coat down somewhere and pushed my bread into the sleeve. Then I stumbled into the bit of space made for me at the table, drew in the chair and sat down. The men were so close to me on each side I felt the heat of their bodies and could not prevent myself from shrinking away. The men noticed and probably felt hurt. One made a joke, the other laughed, and the girls bent their heads low over their work. All at once the thought came, if I don't do this coat quickly and well, he will send me away at once. I picked up the coat, threaded my needle, and began hastily repeating the lesson father impressed upon me. Be careful not to twist the sleeve lining. Take small, false stitches. My hands trembled so that I could not hold the needle properly. It took me a long while to do the coat, but at last it was done. I took it over to the boss and stood at the table waiting while he was examining it. He took long, trying every stitch with his needle. Finally he put it down and, without looking at me, gave me two other coats. I felt very happy. When I sat down at the table, I drew my knees close together and stitched as quickly as I could. When the peddler came into the shop, everybody bought rolls. I felt hungry, but I was ashamed and would not eat the plain heavy rye bread while the others ate rolls. All day I took my finished work and laid it on the boss's table. He would glance at the clock and give me other work. Before the day was over, I knew that this was a peace workshop, that there were four machines and sixteen people were working. I also knew that I had done almost as much work as the grown-up girls, and that they did not like me. I heard Betsy, the head feller hand, talking about a snip of a girl coming and taking the very bread out of your mouth. The only one who could have been my friend was the presser who knew my father. But him I did not like. The worst I knew about him just now was that he was a soldier because the men called him so. But a soldier, I had learned, was capable of anything. And so, noticing that he looked at me often, I studiously kept my eyes from his corner of the room. Seven o'clock came and everyone worked on. I wanted to rise as father had told me to do and go home. But I had not the courage to stand up alone. I kept putting off going from minute to minute. My neck felt stiff and my back ached. I wished there were a back to my chair so that I could rest against it a little. When the people began to go home, it seemed to me that it had been night a long time. End of chapter 27